word of our Lord from Paul's epistle to the Philippians. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making a request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, and being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with all of the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray that you would bless it to our minds, to our hearts, and we pray that you would bless it to our very lives. We pray that you would help us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. We pray that you would help us to listen to you and to follow you. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. I mentioned last week that we declare the goodness of God because we or we declare the greatness of God because we recognize the goodness of God. We know that God is great because he is so good. And so we teach our children to pray over their meals. God is give thanks, a season in which we turn our minds to those blessings of life that have enriched us. Last week we talked about how we ought to give thanks for God's great love toward us, that we are the objects of His affection, that He loves us so much that He gives. He gives of Himself. He gives His Son. He gives us His Spirit. This week, we're going to turn our attention to the fact that we ought to give thanks for His work in our lives. His work in our lives is what we call grace. Grace is not merely a sentiment that God has for us. Instead, grace is His life and His power toward us. When we talk about being saved by grace, we're talking about being saved because God gives us His very life through His Spirit. His Spirit is always at work in our lives. Through grace. John Wesley spoke of spiritual respiration, and he took that from a lot of the early church fathers when they talked about breathing in grace and breathing out grace. It is grace that gives us life. It is grace that that gives our our spirits lives. And we see 
God's work in us, in the love that He calls us to have for Himself, and in the love that He calls us to have for others. It is by grace that we are enabled to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it is by grace that we are enabled to love our neighbors, including our enemies, as ourselves. None can do that but by grace. And we read in this text of Paul's great love for the Philippians. And that love that Paul has for them, much like the love of God, causes his work in their behalf. His love is the cause of his work. We mentioned last week, as I was reminding the kids, that love acts, love does, love works. It is always working for the advantage of the beloved. Paul declares his great love for the Philippian believers and he reminds them of their partnership in working with him in the sharing of the gospel with the world. He is invested in their lives and they've invested in his and they've invested in the lives of countless others. Others, many of whom they would never meet because of the love of God shed abroad in their hearts. Paul tells the Philippians that he loves them, and the way he words it is kind of odd, but he literally says, I love you with the guts of Christ Jesus, or the intestines of Christ Jesus. He's saying, down in my very gut, down in the very gut of Christ, is this love, this affection that we have for you. God is my witness, Paul says, how much I love you. And it's not just some love that I've mustered up. It is the love of Christ in me, in your behalf. I want to remind each of us of some very basic things about God's work in our lives. This thing that we call grace for which we ought to give thanks because it reminds us of the goodness of God which directs our attention to the greatness of God. Three very basic things. And the first thing I want to remind each of us of is that grace doesn't start with us. It starts where God chooses to start. In fact, grace always starts outside of us. We speak of the means of grace, and those means of grace are physical things that God has given to us. This is the nature of how grace works. He's given to us His Word to read. He's given us eyes to read the words on the page. He's given us mouths and minds to lift up prayer to Him, words to speak to Him, ears to listen to Him. He's given us one another and a congregation to gather together for worship. Whether we're talking about baptism or the Lord's Supper, whether we're talking about small group meetings where we study together and, and, and ask one another questions and encourage one another and strengthen one another, whether we're talking about accountability and private meetings of that nature, everything that we do that we think of as a spiritual activity, a means of grace, all of those things are physical things. They are physical gifts that God has given to us. 
Because we are physically spiritual and spiritually physical. There's not a thing that we can name that we do in our spirit apart from our bodies. God has given us things and tools outside of ourselves to grow in Him, to get His grace into our lives. We cannot grow spiritually without doing something physically. In fact, when folks confide in us and say, hey, you know, I'm trying to grow in my relationship with God, normally we start to ask them a list of physical things that would help them. So how much are you reading your Bible? Well, boy, Pastor, I didn't expect you to start there. Really? You're telling me you're trying to grow in Christ? You're wanting to, to know if there's a God. You're wanting to, 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 to get closer to God. And you're not reading your Bible. Why are you praying? Well, no, not, not really. Well, what are you doing? How often do you go to church? How often are you around other believers? How often do you participate in worship? We cannot grow spiritually without doing something physically. And those physical activities that help us to grow in grace, the means of grace, those are outside of ourselves. They're given to us as gifts from God. And they are the ways in which He works in our lives. Grace doesn't start with us. It starts where God chooses to start. It starts in the means of grace and it starts also in the, vet, in the investment of others. There, we are by nature relational creatures. We were made for another. We were made for God and we were made for one another. We have been made in His image and we do not come alone. Every last one of us has a belly button. The kids always like it when I mention the belly buttons. But the belly button reminds us that we did not receive life from ourselves. It came from outside. It has been given to us as a gift. We cannot get away from the effect of others on our lives. Others pray for us. Others toil over us. Others bump into us. The effect that others have on our lives, we cannot escape it. We cannot get away from it. Others have invested in our lives. I'm thankful for parents who invested in my life and helped make me into the man that I am today. I'm thankful for parents who invested in Lindsay's life, who helped make her into the woman that she is today. I'm thankful for the opportunity to invest in my kids' lives. And the fact that they've got grandparents who will invest in their lives. I'm thankful to be able to to pastor a church that loves my kids. That teaches my kids. That will correct my kids when they're acting out of line. I'm thankful that my kids have a Sunday school teacher like David. Who pours his heart and soul and sometimes tears out to them. The investment of others. Grace doesn't start with us. It starts where God chooses to start. And He always starts outside of ourselves. In various means through which He gets His grace to us. And in various people 
through which he chooses to invest in us. All of what Paul is saying underscores this fact. God doesn't start with us. Grace doesn't start with us. It begins elsewhere, outside of us. It is an invasion, an imposition on our lives, which is a good thing. It's good that God imposes upon us. We don't just decide to follow God in a vacuum apart from His working in our lives through ordinary means and through other people who know Him and love Him. The second thing that we all ought to be reminded of this morning is that not only does grace not start with us, grace doesn't quit on us. Paul said, He who began working in you won't stop until the job is done. Now Paul is not segmenting the work of grace, saying that God did something back here and He leaves you alone until He's ready to finish the job out there. When Jesus returns is your next installment. Paul's not saying, well, God saved me and then will one day remake me. He's talking about the, the, the broad expanse, the whole process of God's working in our life through His grace. Paul is saying that God's grace is relentless. It'll never stop cleaning us up till we're entirely clean. It'll never stop putting our lives together till they are whole. It'll never stop remaking us in the image of Jesus till we look just like Him. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will not stop. Grace doesn't quit on us. Thank God grace doesn't quit on us. Thank God that God does not leave us to ourselves. He is relentless in His pursuit. You're probably tired of hearing me quote him, but George MacDonald, the Scottish pastor, said, God is easy to please, but hard to satisfy. Grace doesn't quit on us. It has a work to do, and it will work until that job is done. It's good to be reminded also that grace doesn't end with us. It doesn't stop with us. We are not the end of it. We receive grace so that others might receive grace. Just like water, it cleans. And just like water, it spills out all over the place. Just last night, we were um, eating pizza and talking with family and friends. And Lindsay was, uh, reminded me of something that, uh, from when Aiden was a little baby. And he, he used to have bad, bad spit-ups. And uh, we were at the doctor, Dr. Thompson's office, and Lindsay and I were describing how bad it is. And we're like, I mean, there's no way all that's in his tummy. And he walks over to the sink, grabs a little, a little cup, I guess, 
puts a little bit of water in it, walks back over, throws it in the floor, and says, that was a, a, what, an ounce of water. It's not much, but it looks like much when it's everywhere. That's, that's the nature of water. The nature of grace is that it cleans us up and it spills out all over the place. It, it affects and infects others. The whole point of Paul's epistle to the Philippians was to declare to them, to remind them of God's work in them and God's work through them and God's work in his life and God's work through his life because of their investment. The whole point, the whole idea is that God through His grace is at work in the world. And we are not the ends of that work. Grace doesn't end with us. There's a, there was a Greek idea in Paul's time and in the ta- time previous to Paul that grace was envisioned as three maidens. The one maiden was a gift properly given. No strings attached. No ulterior motives. Just a gift properly given. The second maiden was the recipient of that gift. A gift properly received. A gift received with gratitude, with thanksgiving, with joy, with humility. And the third maiden was to receive the gift that was then passed on. Because a gift properly received is a gift that is to be enjoyed and to be shared. And that's how God works in our lives. He invests in our lives through the lives of others outside of ourselves. And we ought to be grateful for His investment in our lives. We ought to be grateful for His work in our lives, for His grace toward us. But that doesn't end with us, or it ought not end with us, because grace doesn't end with us. Our lives are to be lived for the sake of others. Our lives are to be lived as an investment in the lives of others because we are the recipients of God's great grace. We are the beneficiaries of His great work. And that ought to give us reason to be thankful. And it ought to give us reason to pour our lives into the lives of others. A grateful receiver, a grateful recipient is one who is able to rejoice and to become a great giver himself. And God has given to us great grace, great reason for joy, great reason for thanksgiving. But he doesn't want to stop with us. He doesn't want it to end with us. We were made for others. We were made to know and love God and to reflect Him to His world.
We tell our kids that all the time. We say it's important. It's fundamental to our, to our doctrine. Do we live it? Do we live lives that are grateful for God's work and are passing that work along to others? Amen. Let's pray.